Psalm 23 for our lesson tonight. Our theme has been the loveliness of Christ. I pray that you've seen him a little bit. Psalm 23. I have preached from Psalm 23 innumerable times, used it at many funerals, but it's not just a funeral text, a scripture. It, it's part of a trilogy, a three psalms that talk about the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Psalm 22 is his crucifixion. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm 23 is a resurrection. Yea, though I walk through the, valley of the, uh, through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And then Psalm 24 is his ascension. You see that in verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Uh, so you have a, a complete look as you see these, these three psalms. But I just want us to hone in on Psalm 23 for a, a few minutes tonight. Uh, I know sometimes that doesn't work out to be a few minutes, but we'll try to make it be a few minutes. The word Lord in our Bible, in, in the Greek New Testament, there are two words uh, that are used to translate into, into the word Lord. And one is kurios, and it deals with the deity of Christ. In fact, he's God in flesh. The other is the word uh, where we get our English word despot, or despotes, as, as it is in Greek. And so uh, that means absolute authority. Our Lord with absolute authority. Our Lord with absolute power. Our Lord, who is God in flesh, is our shepherd. <laughs> now, a shepherd has to have sheep. Now, that's us. Uh, sheep are not overly, uh, what would you say, intelligent. Uh, look at Psalm 100 with me for a moment. Psalm 100. And verse 3. Knowing that the Lord, He is God, it is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So we're sheep. I want to give you a couple of things about sheep, and then we'll look at the psalm a little bit broader. Sheep require some things. They require continuous care. Not just intermittently, they have to be watched after all the time. I know they use that oil that they poured on the, the head of the animals to protect them from the flies and different things. We read in Psalm, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter uh, 15 about uh, the sheep that went astray and, and the Lord counted the 90 and 9, but he left them to go find the one that was out astray. And uh, they'd never find their way home. They're not like cats. You know, if you're trying to get rid of a cat and you drive 50 miles and drop it off, it'll beat you to the house. Uh, they, they got some kind of homing device that they can do that, but sheep are not that way. So they, they require continuous care, not only continuous care. It's not like you can just watch and see them, but it requires detailed care. Which ones are having what kind of problems, which ones are not following the flock like they ought to, and if you had to had a, a young lamb that wouldn't follow the flock, the shepherd would take his staff and break its leg, and then he would fix that leg, and he would carry that on its shoulders, and 
Uh, of course, the, the shepherds would sing to them and talk to them, so they knew the, the shepherd's voice. And eventually, when he, that sheep was able to be on its uh, legs again, it wouldn't leave his side because he had carried it during its time of pain and, and difficulty. When they would come to a watering place, and all the flocks would come together, maybe five, six, eight, ten, who knows how many it might have been, and the shepherds would meet one with another and talk over shepherd news, what kind of animals they'd seen, what kind of uh, food they had found for their flock, those types of things, maybe talk about the family a little bit. And when they got ready to leave, they would just start singing and talking and singing and talking, and as they walked away, the sheep that belonged to that shepherd would follow him. Why? Because they knew his voice. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. So sheep require continuous care and they require detailed care. You know, it, it talks about the fact that for us as Christians, we trade our fickle life for one that is managed by Christ. Uh, before we get saved, we're living on our own, marching to the beat of our own drummer, so to speak, and that's never a positive thing. Once we get converted, then we're able to follow the Lord. We can walk with Him. And uh, He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I'm His own, as we sang just a few minutes ago. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for the, the Lord took him. So we have the, the pleasure of trading the old life for one managed by Christ. Now, there is some advantage to getting saved a little later in life. Some advantage, not much. And that advantage is you don't have to look too hard to see the difference. I can look back prior to me being 21 and trust in Christ and see my life back then and see my life now. And the, the line of demarcation is fairly clear. It's harder for young kids. They get saved young, and they've, they've not sown very many wild oats, so to speak. And uh, to teach them of the, the, the depravity of man is not the easiest thing to do. Uh, you know how when you're dealing with children, if something happens, the first words out of their mouth is, I didn't do it. And uh, you, you ask them another question, I didn't do that either. And when uh, Pastor Taylor and I have dealt with young kids trying to lead them to Christ, you, you begin to talk to them about sin <clears throat> then you ask them, have you ever committed a sin? And unless they're under conviction, they will invariably say no. But if they get under conviction and God's dealing with them, He can give them insight to that. So we trade our fickle, selfish, self-centered lives for one managed by Christ, who is the despotes, the one with absolute authority, the one who makes our way for us. What a Savior. Well, there's some other things about sheep. They have a mass mind, meaning mob instincts. If one of them gets started walking a certain direction and another one sees him, he'll just follow. And if they see those two following, they'll all begin to walk, and they'll just walk all together in mass and walk off the end of a cliff or something else because they just have a mob mentality and they're not all that intelligent. And remember, he's talking about us. <clears throat> How easily we are led astray, it seems, uh, by the, a movement of a large number of people. We need to be willing to stand, and that's not the easiest thing to do. 
I don't know how many of y'all have seen it. I, I don't think it's a photoshopped uh, picture. But it's a picture of, uh, of the German people, and they're worshiping, really, Hitler. And that's what they did. And they got their arms up, shouting, Sieg Heil, Heil Hitler, and all that stuff. And there's one guy out in the middle of it like this. He wasn't going to go for that. Now, they may have killed him. They may have done away with him. But he wasn't going to sell his soul to a fellow by the name of Adolf Hitler. And you and I need to take a stand. It's not always the easiest thing. You, you work with people who are friendly and nice, and then they find out you're a Christian. You're around folks that uh, you maybe go to school with, and uh, everything's hunky-dory till they find out you're a believer in Jesus, and then they want to start hurling accusations. Oh, you're those kind of people who hate so-and-so. And listen, any Christian who hates somebody is sinning against God. We're not allowed to hate. We don't have to like what people do, but we're not allowed to hate. And so that accusation is false. In, in the early days of the church, do you know that the, the New Testament church, they were called atheists. You know why? Because they didn't believe in the Roman gods. They were accused of eating babies. They were accused of homosexuality. Why? Because they greeted one another with a holy kiss. And by the way, I've been to the Middle East. They don't kiss you on the lips. They actually don't even kiss you. They just put their cheek up next to yours. And if they really like you, they'll do two on each side. But if you're just okay, it's just one on each side. But sheep have a masked mind. Sheep. Are, have a, a spirit of fearfulness. It doesn't take much to scare us. We don't want to have fear, but we do. Some of you have talked to me, and probably those who haven't have at least uh, thought about it, uh, just the fear of death, approaching that valley of the shadow of death. And as we get closer to it, we think about it. I, You know, when I was in my 30s, I never thought about that. That'd be a Furthest thing from my mind. Now that I'm about to turn 70, it's on my mind quite often that I think about the fact that I'm not going to be here all that much longer. Now, I don't know what that means, whether it means 10 years or 20. You know, my dad was 90 and mom was 95. My maternal grandmother was almost 100. And my dad's uh, mother was 89 and she died from a broken arm, got a blood clot. She hung around a little while longer. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but sometimes my flesh begins to think about expiring, about death. I love my grandchildren. I want to watch them grow up and see them have babies if possible. But if not, if it's not the Lord's will, it'll be okay. But uh, the mechanics of death frightens everybody. It's not that I'm going to die, it's how I'm going to die. That's usually what troubles us. We're fearful. We're fearful. Those of us who have raised children know exactly what fear is like. You got a teenage kid and they've just learned to drive and you know they're not very experienced and they say, Mom, Dad, I'm going to go do, and off they go and you sit in the living room just tensed up, tight as you can be. And if the phone rings, you just jump. You're scared they're going to have a wreck. Scared something's going to happen. And when they get home, you finally just relax, you know. And the, and the kids don't understand why we're so concerned. Fearfulness. 
those other kinds of fears. Running out of money. <laughs> In our society, that's a tragedy, isn't it? Here's another one. This is not a really nice one either. Stupidity. They are dumb. I mean, they are dumb. They have balance problems. If they fall over and lay on their back, they'll lay there till they die. It's, it's called being cast. They cannot get back up. You see horses lay on the ground all the time, wiggling the dust and dogs and other kinds of animals. But if you see a, a sheep on its back, you might as well go over and roll it back up and, and try to get it up on its feet because it, it can't do it on its own. All of that testifies about us, our weaknesses, our inabilities, our, our timidity, our, our prone, uh, proneness to be fearful, all those things, our balance problems. Uh, something happened when I got about 60, 65. All of a sudden, my sense of balance wasn't what it used to be. I used to just scurry up a, a, you know, a stepladder with no problems at all, get way up towards the top of it and go to work. Now I kind of go up slow, make sure I got something to hold on to and lean my shins against that thing so I, I, I keep myself balanced. Where our, our sense of balance, am I talking somebody knows what I'm talking about? My sense of balance, yeah. It's just not what it used to be. But the Lord's my shepherd. And he'll be there when I wobble. He'll be there when I fall. He'll be there when I'm afraid. He, he'll always be there. The Lord is my shepherd. Can I give you three things right quick? I've given these at many funerals. He's Lord of my life. King of my life, I crown thee now. I am glad to turn the reins over to him. It's always bad when I take the reins away from him. Never a positive thing. But he's Lord of my life. Not going to be, he is now. My life belongs to him. Missionaries and pastors belong to God in, in, a, in a way that God can move his men. Um, I've been blessed to pastor the same church 42 years. There's not that much of that, at least not in my experience. Dr. Seitler pastored Tabernacle 43. Three years, I believe, 1952 to 1995 when he died. But most pastors pastor a church for a little while, and they go to another one. Pastor there a little while, and go to another one. It's just, and missionaries don't all stay in the same place. Missionaries don't all stay in the same country. They move, hopefully moving at the hand of God, and it's up to God to move people if He wills and. Certainly, as we start thinking about our young folks, we wish they'd all stay right here in this community and come to church here and raise their kids here, but we know uh, probably God's going to send some of them other places than here, and they'll be a blessing to somebody else, and we'll be mad at another church because they, they stole them like we're mad over it. Yeah. He's Lord of my life. Secondly, he's Lord of my death. He is Lord of my death. Christians are not afraid of death. You're not going to scare me with heaven. It's not going to happen. Be praying, by the way, for Sharon Belote. That's Kathy, uh, Lucius, and Karen Marbury's mom. She's not doing real good. She's in a tough place. That's uh, Nancy Purdy's sister. 
but he's Lord of my death. That means all my fears are calmed. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Didn't say though I run, though I hop, though I scream, though I hide, though I uh, try to find another way out. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What's the rod and staff? Right here. When we come to die, probably hearing Scripture read would be one of the best things that could ever happen. He's Lord of my life. He's Lord of my death. My fears are calm. My doubts are settled. He's the master of death. I remember reading in the Bible, he said, I was alive, was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. He's been on both sides. He's made sure everything's okay. He has the keys of hell and of death. Now, the devil used to have them, but according to the book of Hebrews, God took that power away from him. The scripture says plainly that he that had the power of death, that was Satan. Jesus took that away from him. I think the power being in the fear, the strength of it. When you and I die, our bodies cease to function. Your family and your friends will weep. They'll look at your body. Most of us have an open casket, at least at some point. A lot of ladies don't want their casket open. I understand that. That's their business. But our soul and our spirit is immediately in the presence of God. Immediately. He's opened the door. (laughs) I don't have to worry about being held down here by the by the power of death or the chains of death, they've been broken by Christ. Because He lives, we live. Because of His resurrection, I have a resurrection. He gave a little foretaste by raising some people from the dead. Remember, He told Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says He, you know, he's, he had the napkin on His face. He's bound up. He's got all these grave clothes on. But He was alive because the Master had called Him out. One of these days, King Jesus is going to descend, not all the way to this earth, but in the air, and call the New Testament church out. The last thing I want to share with you is this. He's Lord of my eternity. Look in Psalm 17. Psalm 17 and verse 15. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Turn to Psalm 16, if you would. Psalm 16, verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So I pick up my Bible, open the, to the book of Psalms, and I turn to Psalm 23, and I read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you would.